Hey there, it's me, Jesse Tyler Ferguson, that redheaded actor from Modern Family. I have a podcast. It's combining a couple of my favorite things, talking and food. Please join me as I dine with the biggest names in entertainment, people like Julie Bowen, Kristen Bell, Fred Armisen, and so many more. It's called Dinners on Me, and you're invited. Am I saying a chocolate souffle is going to get me to reveal all of my secrets? Yeah, I am. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Martine Powers. It's Saturday, May 9th. This is a bonus episode of Post Reports. In India, the incessant beep-beep of cars has disappeared. In New York, Harlem's heart has stopped beating. In the suburbs of Detroit, the chatter of neighbors is muffled. In Toronto, the trains no longer whistle, and in Marseille, every day sounds like a holiday. All around the world, the silence rolls in and out like fog. It hangs in the air, there but not there, impenetrable and fragile, weightless and smothering. Robin Gavon is a fashion critic for The Post, and she wrote about what the pandemic sounds like. We asked her to read it for you here. For most of us, she says, it is a heartbreaking silence. It's periodically disrupted by the shriek of an ambulance siren, the rattle of a construction truck, or the evening applause for first responders. For those lucky enough to work from their home, FaceTime and Zoom keep the afternoon buzzing with a new familiarity, but eventually the silence comes. We are deep in the horror and kicking our way to the surface. What does a pandemic sound like? Emptiness. In March, Faith Hyacin was in the thick of her professional duties, working with fashion designers behind the scenes in their showrooms and on their runway productions. Hyacin was in her glory, the chaotic, exhausting world of creativity on a global scale. Her work regularly takes her to New York and Paris. And by the time she returns to Mont-Sapron-Libos, the small town in southwestern France where she lives, she usually welcomes the peace and quiet that greet her. But now the silence is not so much a well-earned gift as a voracious monster that has snuffed out the reassuring rumble and roar of daily life. The Bible says, weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. But sometimes, in this age of COVID-19, it seems that the sweet cacophony in our dreams is what soothes us, not the silence of our waking hours. I live alone. I'm not permitted to visit neighbors or friends, and I'm not permitted to be somewhere other than my primary residence. I cannot take one of the few available trains to a coastal town. Everything would be closed anyway, including hotels. I cannot escape by means of an airplane to another country, Hayasin says in an email. Even if I could, all I would find would be more silence. Sleep is actually a welcome respite because in my dreams it's noisy, she says. I talk to people I know. I talk to people I'd never met. I'm in places I know, I'm in places I've never been. Sleep is the easy part. It's waking up that's harder.
Just past midnight, as Saturday blurs into Sunday, a walk sign on 8th Street Northeast in the nation's capital glows white, but there are no footfalls. The only sound on the empty sidewalk is the electronic bloop, bloop, bloop of the traffic signal counting down the seconds before no one moves and the hush only deepens. No cars rumble through the intersection. The city's inglorious streetcar on its newly shortened schedule stopped running hours ago and there's no impudent clanging of its horn, no squeal of its metal wheels on its track. The late night urban soundscape has become little more than digital chirps and the occasional guttural outburst from the lost soul wrapped in a vagabond's blanket. By Sunday's light, 8th Street is free of the usual detritus that comes from the crowds of bar hoppers, late night diners, and music lovers. Silence is litter free. Some people find the silent calming. They feel closer to God. They give in to the stillness and consider their destiny. They have a silver lining attitude. The air is cleaner, crime rates have dropped, school shootings ceased in the United States. If you tilt your head and squint, the quieting of the world can be seen as a gift. But when we, the agitated, try to breathe deeply and locate our spiritual center, it's elusive. I keep thinking, this is great, I'll just sit here and simply be. But then my mind freaks out and it starts racing and then I'm like, Ugh, I must make noise, says Sarah and Gwenya, who lives in Nottingham, England. There's too much reality that's hidden in those pockets of silence and I'm not sure I can handle it at the moment. The silence isn't a respite, it's relentless. It's no longer the absence of sound, it is the sound. I'm kind of an introvert. I need to retreat, says Latasha Simmons, a nail technician who worked in Brooklyn back when there was noise and who lives on Long Island. This is forced silence instead of silence that you're creating for yourself. Instead of looking to it as a tonic to recharge from a hectic day, there's no hurly-burly from which to withdraw. We don't wind down because we never wound up. What day is it? Sound is an oral calendar, the whoosh of weekday rush hour traffic, the hoots of the Friday night bar brigade, the slam of shared bicycles into their electronic docks on a Saturday afternoon full of errands. Since the lockdown began, every day feels like a Sunday. You wake up and you hear nothing, says Nicola Icard, a 23-year-old communications student in isolation with his parents in Marseille, France. I think people are divided between the calm they might be experiencing in their lives and the fear of what will happen next. Instead of silence being part of the natural rhythm of life, life is flatlined. And the thought of resuscitating our beloved with a jolt is terrifying. In Florida and Georgia, the chattering crowds on beaches, the buzz of barbershop clippers, the zap zap of tattoo needles aren't noises of life. They're a tolling of the bells. The silence really can be deafening. When a normally high volume city is abruptly put on mute, our brain is hypersensitive to the shift. What we've experienced is akin to a leaving a loud concert and stepping into the hush of the night. 
The silence registers intensely. It's almost suffocating. It definitely leaves you alone in your head, Simmons says. And for many of us, our head is filled with what-ifs and worst-case scenarios. I need a little bit of noise to drown out the silence, she says. The quiet shouldn't be confused with loneliness, which is a mental state. And it's not synonymous with solitude, although there are points of overlap, like in a Venn diagram, says Tui Nguyen, an assistant professor at Durham University, who researches solitude and resiliency. Solitude, or alone time, can be filled with moments of silence, but can also be rich with music. And anyone who's ever had an argument with a roommate knows it's possible to have silence or to get the silent treatment when solitude would be much preferred. Still, one wonders whether the discomfort with silence is exacerbated by solitude or can silence cause loneliness. Perhaps the brewing uneasiness is just the desire to hear someone say, you are loved, you are valued. Nguyen began researching solitude long before the pandemic. She was essentially focused on how older people respond to it. She and her colleagues were hampered by the amount of enforced alone time a subject could ethically be asked to endure. The pandemic has removed that hurdle. Nguyen has learned that as long as subjects know that they have value to someone beyond their four walls, Even if they didn't have the ability to connect with that person, they could stave off loneliness. Silence can be remedied with the click of a remote control, throw open the home office doors and let in the whirling dervish of a toddler. But this silence is unlike any other. It can't be filled with binging on television or audiobooks. It requires a complicated, sweeping, unmatched symphony of life. I live in the suburbs, But there's always things going on. And now, if you go outside, you're barely seeing any cars. You see people walking and they all cross the street to move away from you. No one is speaking, says Andy Ream, a fashion stylist at Tender Boutique in Birmingham, Michigan. The silence isn't merely the absence of noise. It's the fear of interaction. It's judgment, longing, and paranoia. It's our distressed human condition amplified. When the sounds of nature, the birds chirping, the rustling leaves, become the soundtrack of a formerly vibrant, agitating city, at first you're lulled into calm, says Karishma Sahegel, who blogs about sustainability and upcycling from her home in Pune in western India. But then you remember that life has turned inside out. Spring is in full gear, but there aren't any human sounds to chime in, says Leah Rossi a Toronto-based fashion stylist. The volume of the natural world has been cranked up. Maybe it's a greater power, the good Lord, Mother Nature, karma, the fates, giving notice that humans are not in control of their environment. They must work in concert with it. We troop through the streets on our essential errands. The sun might be shining and the sky may be blue, but it sounds like a storm is coming. We hear the same heaviness in the air that precedes a tornado. We wait and watch for a thunderous funnel cloud that for most of us 
blessedly healthy at home and without loved ones in hospitals, never comes. I took a walk this very morning, says Daniel Lanzalota, an artist in Harlem. The silence is thick. It's a sadness. I started to cry under my mask. I went back home. Robin Gavon is a fashion critic for The Post. That's it for this extra episode from Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Let us know what you think about the story by emailing us at postreports at washpost.com. We hope you're having a restful weekend. I'm Martine Powers. We'll be back on Monday with more stories from The Washington Post. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Class is in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen.